You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome in to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Burgess. Over there on the other side of the screen, that's TJ Snyder. And, uh, you know, a little bit of a break, a little bit of a holiday break and bi-week break for us. We are back in action, ready for the final stanza of the season. And, you know, what happened over this break? The Bears suddenly figured out how to play football? Get good, kid. And a lot of things came together. Like, we've been bemoaning the loss of offensive linemen and the and the rotation of offensive linemen pretty much seemingly just about every week since the beginning of the season and you know i would say four out of five are are back in place and healthy and playing pretty well and geez makes a difference weird and uh there's some fun stats that i'll share about the defense um pre-Phil Snow, which was done by our buddy Bill Zimmerman, and then post-Phil Snow, I updated it for all eight weeks. Um, Same thing, pre- and post-Montez Sweat. Those numbers actually look pretty similar. But when you add those two things together, you you bring in Phil Snow, and your fortunes change on defense, like, immediately. Like, the week he came on board, things started to get better, they got a little bit better for three weeks. I have a feeling he went, look, I'm good, but I'm not a magician. We got to have pass rush. <laughs> and Ryan Poles went, okay, trades for Montez Sweat. And then those small changes that had started in the secondary and other places and with the pass rush too, all of a sudden get a supercharge because you get Montez Sweat on the roster and you've now got like two legitimate rush threats plus a uh, rapidly developing, you know, Javon Dexter and lo and behold, like the defense got real good. Like defense is top five in the NFL right now. What's interesting is that early on in the year, people kept saying, well, the Flus defense doesn't need pressure. It doesn't need <laughs> pressure. Like it'll work fine. It doesn't, it, it doesn't really happen. And I'm like, that's not football. Like <laughs> defensive football starts with pressure. You either have to get it with your front four. And if you're not getting it with your front four, you're going to have to simulate that pressure and have to find ways and be creative. And he wasn't creative early in the year at all. Like there was no creativity in this defense at all. And the bears weren't getting home because they were just rushing four and they weren't doing any games up front. There were no twists, no stunts, nothing. Right. And Nothing. so like you watch vanilla for four weeks. You And I like vanilla. I think, I don't think we should insult vanilla because <laughs> that's true. It was, right. It, vanilla. No, I'm with you. That was right. Yeah. And then, you know, it's not just Montez sweat. Montez sweat helps quite a bit. He's a really good football player, but yes. it's also an injection of creativity. It's 
playing games up front. It's, you know, these guys are coming on and, but you're also adding the scheme to that. Right. So, so both things are happening at the same time. Makes you wonder why that wasn't present in September, but this team is, is building as, as, as it, as it goes. But uh, we jumped the gun a little bit, but we're excited. We haven't talked in a few weeks. And, you know, and we, we have good things to talk about after a long drought. <laughs> so we always start the show talking about drinks. What'd you bring on today? Uh, I have coffee. It is infused with a little bit of uh, blended Canadian whiskey. That's not terribly good because it's going in coffee. It doesn't have to be. Uh, but I have about three and a half hours worth of work to do after this podcast. So, so if I was like... Fun. If I was slugging down beers, I, I would be a little more lethargic probably than I needed to be. So I, you know, little, little speedball up and down caffeine and alcohol. What do you got? I got a fun little mixed drink here. Ooh. This is called a lion's tail. <laughs> the lion's tail is bourbon allspice dram, which is one of those bottles that you have to buy for tiki drinks, but it's also used in this particular bourbon drink. Old drink goes back a long ways. Uh, and then it's also got lime juice sweetener if you need it. Um, I don't really do sugar anymore. So, so no extra sugar for me and a little Angostura bitters. And then you, uh, take a channel knife and you get yourself, uh, you know, an orange, uh, peel mm -hmm. and then you twist it up and it's got the lion tail and you express the oil on top of it. So, uh, cheers to a Chicago bears victory over the Detroit lions. I love it. Themed cocktails. I was watching a little documentary about Las Vegas earlier this week, and they were hearkening back to the golden era of Las Vegas, fifties uh, and sixties Rat Pack era, um, right after the founding of Las Vegas. And they were talking, <laughs> they were talking to the, um, one of the early show girls. And she's like, yeah, we used to go up on the roof and watch the bombs go off. And sure. It was like, what? And she's like, yeah, we used to get drunk and go up on the roof and watch them test the atom bombs. And like, we'd see the bright light, you know, over the hill. And then a couple minutes later, the building would shake. <laughs> and they showed like all the drink specials around Las Vegas, like atom bomb cocktail, right? Have it at our bar because they're doing nuclear testing right over there. <laughs> it's right. Like, Glowing green drinks. Uh, yeah. Well, they had that yeah, a, lot of, a lot of dry ice type stuff with like, you know, gas yeah. coming off it. I thought you guys would appreciate the themed cocktail. Uh, so far, interesting. I mean, like the the allspice dram is is a very interesting ingredient to try to use in a cocktail. Uh, and of course, I like bourbon, so um, all good there. <laughs> of course, I like bourbon. Let's jump uh, into the first question. So, David Hunsaker, who's at David Hunsaker four uh, again. David Hunsaker one, two, and three were taken. Uh, David Hunsaker four says, "What's the blueprint for beating the Browns?" And who is the unforeseen hero of the win? He's already penciling in a win. So sure. I love that. Um, but but who do you think uh, could be the unforeseen hero? And, and what do you think the blueprint is? But let's start off by just acknowledging the fact that the Browns are beat up. Yeah, they have a I, lot, a lot, a lot of injuries. So so that's yeah. that's where we start. Yeah, um, my blueprint is show up with a pulse because they're yeah. not going to be there. They've lost three fifths of their offensive line. It's kind of the bizarro bears or the second and their swing the tackle, right? Yeah. So they've lost three tackles. Uh, they have other linemen who are beat up. Uh, Okoronkwo went out today, I believe, for the season. Grant Delpit is gone. 
for the regular season. He might be back for the playoffs or the groin injury. Um, the list just keeps, I mean, like you just wait a day and another Brown goes on IR. It's crazy. They're, they're getting gutted. Jerome Ford has a hand injury, might play, might not. Like Jerome they Ford, are, backup running back to one of the best running backs in the league, Nick Chubb, who was lost in like week two. Yeah. And Jerome Ford's been, or anything. Yeah. And Jerome Ford's been amazing this He's year, good. you know, quietly and playing a huge shadow. But like, this is a team that it's not just like beat up. They're, they're just, they're down a lot of starters. Um, and recently, these are recent developments within the last 10 days, really within the last three days for a lot of them. And that really does change your outlook. Nobody in the NFL wants to blame injuries and next man up and whatever else. But at some point when you have that much talent drain, it does change your outcome, what you can run, what you're comfortable leaving guys to do, because generally backups are backups for a reason. They have less capacity than the guys they are replacing and can't just do the same things and run the same coverages. So we'll see, but the bears are surging. The Browns are sort of reeling due to injury. And I, I would say just show up and play football is kind of the blueprint. Whereas a month ago it would have been completely different it feels like they've got a chance to walk in there straight up without a lot of, I would say, quote unquote, scheming, play them, you know, nose to nose. And yeah, the possibility come away with a victory. Well, even Miles Garrett, he, Miles Garrett will play, but Miles Garrett has been fighting injury. He hasn't been quite the, the dominant force that he's been in the last few weeks. I got a question here um, that uh, we'll, we'll talk about Miles Garrett specifically, but I, I, I want to, unforeseen hero it's week 15 like i don't know that we have like a a fun good answer that comes out of nowhere right like you're gonna say well i, I think it's time for uh you know valus jones to make an appearance and, and, and make a play <laughs> on a reverse or something like i don't know that i have anything fun. i think it's like no brisker maybe like Jaquan, yeah, but I mean, he had 17 tackles last well, week, and like just sort of like every, he's on the radar right now yeah, like he's he's definitely showing up but it feels like he might be in the spotlight this week to to have that break play to have that big interception that gets returned for 20 or 30 yards puts him in a really good field position to to have the big shot that turns into a forced fumble not just a whole bunch of tackles like it does feel like he's sort of on the cusp of making a big impact play that's game turning so i'll i'll throw that one in the hat i mean could be any other number of names like you said but feels like that's eh, possible I just, I don't know. At this point, I'm not sure that there's a new player that enters stage left yeah. and you're like, oh, I didn't see him coming, you know, for this at this point. But the Browns, uh, you know, the Browns are starting Joe Flacco at quarterback, right? And and mm -hmm. like he looked pretty interesting in the first few, you know, parts of that game. And then he did some things that uh, rust, you know, a lot of rust on that arm. The arm still looks good. Like, let me back sure. up. Like he can, he can still sling it, but you know, he made a couple of decisions where you're like, Oh yeah, that, that guy hasn't played football in a while. This is his first game <laughs> action. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe we kind of cut, cut him, uh, you know, a little bit of slack there, but you know, they held on against a good football team. They won a game to go to eight wins. They're the top wild card team in the AFC. Like this is, this is the team that's looking to punch their ticket into the playoffs. So even though we're, we're talking about this, like this is just going to be a Bears victory. Um, you know, this is still a, a well-coached football team. They've got talent, but they are hurt at key positions with really good players that either are playing injured or they're out for the year. And so, it, you know, the Bears can absolutely walk into Cleveland and walk out with a victory. Um, in terms of unsung hero, I, I honestly don't, 
I don't really have any fun names for you, but I, I would like to see if Khalil Herbert can maybe get things going again. He's sort of been lost in the shuffle since he's returned from injury. I don't know if he just doesn't have that explosiveness um, back yet, but uh, right now he seems to be playing kind of third fiddle in that backfield. And I, and I, I believe that he's the most talented in terms of just pure runner of those three. So I'd like to see if maybe another week has gotten him back to health. A little bit of a boost from him would be nice. He definitely has not shown the same verve since returning from injury. All players want to push it back on the field. Nobody wants to be on the bench, especially with other guys performing well. You want to get back out there and kind of hang your shingle back up and say, no, nah, it's my spot. Um, maybe came back a little bit early. Maybe he's just, you know, recovering and playing through like a lot of guys are. Uh, if you watched the Monday night game with the Dolphins, Raheem Mostert was limping for most of that game. Didn't want to come out, came out a couple times, but was taking carries late in that game with a like visible limp. Guys at this point of the season are dinged up. Everybody is. Nobody wants to give it up. If you can be out there and tape it up and 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 go, guys are going to go. So I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt that he pushed it back you know, really as quickly as he could that he felt safe doing. But no, he's not looked uh, the same as he did, say, in preseason or early season when he really has that that flash to his running style. Well, let's, let's move to Miles Garrett. And, and Chris is in the comments section here. So if you ever want to join us live, and thank you for those that are currently doing that. We're 8 o'clock on Wednesday nights, 8 o'clock Central, of course. You know, only use Chicago time around here. Uh, and join us on Second City Gridiron, and you can, you can hop in those comments as well. Um, and Chris made a comment about cocktails being too high maintenance and like i like making cocktails but then she said whiskey meat please yeah i mean that's been like <laughs> most of the year like that i have just brought on a pour of whiskey so uh but sometimes it's fun to make a cocktail and i thought this one was appropriate for the name but uh chris she's at chris armstrong one that's chris with a k uh she says thoughts on miles garrett versus our tackles she's mildly optimistic i think she'd be you should be more than mildly optimistic because i don't think garrett has been playing like the wrecking ball that he has been he's clearly fighting whatever that injury is and and the Bears tackles have been playing very good football. Uh, you've got a rookie in Darnell Wright who looks as good as any rookie tackle has looked since, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about Tristan Morphs, but like, you know, he, he has looked as good as any rookie tackle has a right to. And, and then you have Braxton Jones coming back from injury who, again, has reestablished himself. And all of the talk of like, hey, the Bears using one of those top picks, yeah. you know, get attack. that's <laughs> yep. gone. No one's even talking about that Not anymore. Not true. It's still there. You can tell who's been paying attention to the Bears tackle play of late. And I get it if you have it. If, you, if right. you're out of town, cover the whole league, I get it. But like today I saw, well, you know, they should take Alter Fashano. And then, I mean, you know, if they're going to keep Justin, obviously Marvin is the first pick that everybody's talking about. And then Alter Fashano and you're good. And I'm like, Ho, 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 <laughs> hold up. Like you don't necessarily need to do that because both of the bears, young tackles are playing really well right now. Braxton took a week or two. Same thing when he got back in the lineup to sort of knock the rust off, get back up to game speed, get back up to sort of, uh, you know, game perseverance, game shape, whatever you want to call it. And since then has been playing very steadily, right? Has been improving very steadily throughout the year. He always had flashes early on, but you see more consistency. You see him exerting that power more often that you're really excited about. So I'm, I don't think tackle is in any way a foregone conclusion high in the draft. Like, do you need a good third tackle? Yeah. We see the drop off when Borum comes in and has to play swing. It's not great. You, you need a better option at third tackle, but up high, I don't, 
think that is in any way necessarily right up on the top of, you know, Ryan Pohl's mind, either in free agency or the draft. So the Browns are pretty smart in that they will move Garrett along the line from time to time. Like he'll rush against the guard. He'll, he'll line up in the interior. So, I mean, that, that changes things a little bit. You got to be a little bit worried about that. I mean, if they put miles Garrett up on Nate Davis, I mean, that's, that's an advantage for, for miles Garrett, even if he's, you know, playing injured. Um, and I like Nate Davis is not a knock on Davis, but you're <laughs> very few guards are built. to would be able to block a guy like miles Garrett. So it's smart when they try to move guys like that around so that you get those mismatches. So you, you hope that Luke Getze and the scheme and the offensive line calls can understand when they have him kind of roll down into an interior rush position and, and see if they can change the blocking scheme so they can get two guys on him. because um, asking your guard to, to, to block miles Garrett one-on-one is just, it's not, it's not a good idea. It's not good practice. No. And Nate's been really, he's, he's like a high variance player to me. He's very skilled and, you know this as well as anybody. Offensive line is is not a fair, fairly evaluated position because you can be great on 58 of 60 snaps, and if you're really bad on two, you quote unquote had a bad game. And he can he's very good in the run game typically, um, but there are about two rushes per game where he fans very quickly and there is a winner in the backfield in Justin's face in, you know, 1.5 seconds. And that's tough for any quarterback to deal with. Um, so it's a consistency thing. It's not that he can't pass block. That's not what I'm saying at all. He has plenty of pass blocking reps that look really, really good, but once or twice a game, he just flat up misses. And if you miss that way versus miles Garrett, it's not going to turn out well. Well, let's, let's just hope that the bears are, you know, competitive and it's a, it's a fun game because the last time they went to Cleveland, it was a little bit of a nightmare. So let's, let's hope that we don't have a repeat of that. Uh, let's move on to a draft question. You like the draft EJ. Uh, That's so true. Is, and our number is, one fan. <laughs> this is from number one fan. Uh, my mom, for those of you that don't know what that is, every time I refer to number one fan, uh, she's at Burkus Julie. Be nice to her if you follow her on Twitter. Uh, she says, okay, guys, my question is, if we don't pick Marvin Harrison Jr., what other wide receivers are there are out there for us to take in the draft? Uh, and then she wants to know a little bit about center. We can maybe save center for later, um, but what about those first round wide receivers that people are pretty excited about? Boy, there's a ton. And that's, I think, the thing that's most exciting about this draft and the way it lines up with the Bears' needs is this is, and I know it sounds like a broken record, this is a historic wide receiver draft. Like, it is loaded. We could have, I would say, 15, maybe 18% of these guys opt out, go back to school, whatever, you know, not declare for some of the juniors we're predicting. And you would still have, like, easily talent through the first two, two and a half rounds that is game changing. So, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. Obviously not only because of his lineage, but also because of his play and just his frame. He he's a, he's an incredible player plays at a very high profile school. Brian Hartline's turned out many of the wide receivers you see play in the NFL right now at a very high level. So obviously he gets a lot of attention and it's rightly deserved, but the guy on the other side from him, Emeka Abuka, who uh, grew up in my neck of the woods here, playing down at Stellicum for high school football, was going into this year uh, predicted to be a first-round pick. Still may end up being a first-round pick. Had kind of a Jackson Smith and Jigba-like year where he was injured and sort of out of the spotlight after having a very good year. So his stocks declined a little bit. But again, if he's healthy and his medicals check, he's going to be in the first round. Troy Franklin 
who's a duck down at Oregon. Um, uh, Adonai Mitchell from Texas. Malik Neighbors is probably wide receiver two in this class from LSU. That's Jaden Daniels' top target. Jaden Daniels, who won the Heisman. Like many of those throws went to Malik Neighbors. He's incredibly explosive. Uh, would be a very good fit with DJ Moore in terms of complementary skills. Um, Roma Dunze, who's right up the road at UW, is tremendous. He is definitely going in the first round. Um, and then you've got guys like Keon Coleman from Florida State, who's just a massive athlete, 6'4", 220 plus, um, you know, uh, very basketball-like skill set, you know, plays above the rim a lot and can dominate smaller defensive backs, did so all year. Uh, Brian Thomas Jr., the other wide receiver from LSU, um, is also crazy fast and kind of flying a little bit under the radar, but he's probably going to creep into that back end of the first round conversation as well. And it just goes on and on. Devontae Walker from North Carolina, who is Drake May's top target once the NCAA reinstated him this year, um, just declared he's going to be in that mix. Xavier Leggett from South Carolina, another huge guy that's really fast. Um, he's already accepted his senior bowl, uh, invitation. He'll be down there with his quarterback, Spencer Rattler. So he's going to get to show off like there. And there's 10 guys I didn't name easily 10 guys. I didn't name. And, you know, we could take all night and talk about this class and we'll be talking about them all draft season. But yes, if, if Marvin Harrison jr is off the board or they don't have a shot at him one way or another, there is a lot of receiving talent. And yes, the bears will need at least one, if not two wide receivers, really depending on what they do with Darnell Mooney. Because you need multiple options at wide receiver. And right now they have DJ Moore and question mark. So and a high pick in the draft. <laughs> and a high pick in the draft and and extra picks down the board, too. Again, you can't pick all of these guys in the first round. It's not possible. Like right. not that many teams need wide receiver. Um, and you are gonna get into round two and have quote unquote round one wide receiver talent still on the board, even if a historic number of wide receivers get picked. I think the the number is seven. In the first round, if I'm not mistaken, that could easily get matched. And if it's that or any less than that, there are plenty of wide receivers left in round two and round three. So I think Neighbors is the guy that I hear the most about in terms of that number two guy. Like, oh, if yep. you don't get Marvin Harrison, that's kind of the next guy. Uh, Aduzier, is that how you say it? Adunze. Adunze, um, Adunze. Is, uh, is brought up in that next mix. So you you said bears have dj Moore, and then we're not sure because not you're not sure if they're going to bring back darnell mooney or not and you can't really expect anybody else on the roster to maybe step into a higher role or anything like that so that really is pretty obvious need going into this draft at a loaded class perfect right like you have draft capital it's great. and they're you know it's 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 a flush draft that that's incredible timing but you think about like uh like the Bengals when they had the obvious opportunity to take either Jamar Chase or they could have taken Penny Sewell. Like that was the, that was the mm -hmm. like, Oh, uh, that was the big meme, right? Like, you know, if yeah. you take Penny Sewell, Burrow can throw the ball down the field to any wide receiver. But if you take, you know, you know that whole thing that, that came out, yep. if you guys remember that. Um, but again, we, we just established the bears probably already have their, their book in tackles. You don't really need to worry about that premium position. So they really can focus on, the the talent rich uh wide receiver uh portion here but you, you mentioned again dj moore being the guy that the bears have that they know will be here in the future so pairing the skill sets of some of these guys with dj moore you said neighbors fits perfectly is there a guy in this draft that you say 
that's kind of a DJ Moore type of guy. So maybe the Bears aren't going to take a DJ Moore clone. They're going to try to get like a, a go up and get it kind of guy, or you know, someone who's just got a little bit of a different build or skill set, so that they they match a little bit better with Moore. Yeah, I'll say that the thing that makes that really tough to do is that DJ Moore is one of the most well-rounded wide receivers in the. Oh NFL. yeah, he's incredible. I mean, yeah, that's that's he true. He plays tough. He runs exceptionally well with the ball in his hands in space. Yak, uh, physical style. It, not necessarily the most top shelf guy, but can absolutely elevate and go get the ball speed to go down the field can catch over the shoulder. Like he is, he is a wide receiver with very few weaknesses. So typically we would be looking at some areas that he's just really not that good at and saying, Hey, we want to get a guy that does that. Honestly, what you want to get is another guy like DJ Moore, if you can, that has, you know, multiple skill set down the board. And, um, I think there are those guys, you know, DJ Moore was not necessarily the top wide receiver in his class. And there are a lot of guys because again, there's just so many wide receivers down the board that have skill sets that again, you know, DJ Moore was not the most highly thought of wide receiver. He was definitely a good prospect and people liked him, but he was not wide receiver one in his class. So I think there's some guys down the board, like Malachi Corley from Western Kentucky, who, uh, now not saying play style, but in terms of build and physicality plays a little bit like Debo. He is, he is, he looks like a running back and DJ Moore kind of does too. And, you know, will run over people, has speed, has explosiveness. Um, I would not say his skill sets quite as wide as DJ Moore, but you know, again, you're not going to need just one. So get your vertical guy. Neighbors is incredibly vertical athlete. Um, he is a guy that can run away from people on crossers or just flat out, you know, double movement to oblivion down the boundary. The Bears could definitely use that and then get a guy that has a, a sort of more comprehensive inside skill set, physicality, whatever, because you're most likely going to need two of these guys. And it makes sense to pick two of them in the draft because of cost. Like a lot of people say, oh, the free agency class. Well, free agency, you're going to pay for these guys. You're going to pay out the nose. And the Bears still have other needs that they are going to have to pay in free agency. But wide receiver, because of this sort of bounty in the draft, they don't have to do that, and they'll get them at a tremendous cost control. This is going to be fun. Wide receiver is one of my favorite positions to talk about. It's one of my favorite positions to actually watch. You know, if I'm going to watch college tape, which isn't much mm -hmm. uh, in sure. leading up to the draft, because I'm usually pretty exhausted from the football season. Let me just be completely honest with you. Yep. But if we're going to do it, running backs – and wide receivers are a lot of fun to watch and and you can yep. you can pick things up um even if you're not like the, the the biggest hardcore scout and i like to know these guys because of fantasy football purposes too they, yeah. they check that down the line right the so truth nice comes out well it's nice to know even yeah, when they they run sure. you know they they're they're going to be drafted by other teams it's still nice to know these names so that when you know it's it's week eight and you just lost your you know your top running back or or week two and you just <laughs> lost uh, you just lost Nick Chubb and you're like well is it worth going after this Ford guy and you're like yeah actually they they really like as a matter guy, of right? he was RB three yeah as team. a matter of fact he's yeah. he's really good and, and and they really like him so yes I you know that's yeah one if you of got him in the rookie draft again you're gonna profit um I'll throw one name out for wide receiver and this is sort of it's kind of early and not early, but just keep an eye on this guy. He doesn't get as much attention because he played farther out west. And as you know, lots of viewers on the East Coast and Central Time go to bed by the time this guy plays. But Jacob Cowing of Arizona, like Arizona had a resurgent season this year. And I swear to God, if Jacob Cowing played at Ohio State or 
you know, Kentucky or, you know, Florida state, like everybody would know who he is. <laughs> so I, he's not going to get drafted super high. He's super skilled. He's going to be available a bit later on. And I think he's just one of those guys. I, I feel a little bit about him. Like I felt about Mooney and Mooney, I thought was like a fourth round guy the year he came out. Right. That's where I had him on my board. And I was like, yeah, I think he's probably going to get drafted here, but I think he's going to be better. He's been better even than I thought he was going to be, but I get that same kind of vibe about cowing. So there's my early dart at wide receiver way down the board. Love it. Love it. We're, I mean, we're, we're still in December folks and we're, yeah. we're already got some, we already got some nuggets. So, all right. Hey, we're going to go into the break. Uh, we're going to let somebody else pay for this lion's tail cocktail and for EJ's crappy uh, Canadian Canadian coffee or whatever yep. the heck he is drinking. Yeah, there you go. On the other side of this, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the coaching staff and then we're going to get into some movie talk. So stick with us. Oh, man. yeah. Oh, yeah. He says. Oh, yeah. All right, EJ, let's let's talk a little bit about this question. So this is uh, uh, Mike Smith. He's at beer underscore me underscore Smith underscore is a tough thing on Twitter. Uh, he says <laughs> adding adding Montez Sweat made the defense good. Uh, and, and again, this is your opportunity to talk a little bit about the statistics that you have with, with the Phil sure. Snow and the, the Montez st Sweat stuff. Um, and he says, but we, we all knew Everflus could coach defense. Well, I got to tell you, Mike. I was starting to doubt things. Did we? <laughs> I was starting to doubt things because we did not have any evidence for uh, for a year and a half. Um, he says, could it be the case that the offense just needs another wide receiver and a quality center to make Getsy look good? So a couple of things that I want to talk about here. One, the, the Jimmy's and Joe's and X's and O's kind of conversation, like where, you know, if you have good football players at every position, you know, is that more important than scheme or can scheme hide some of that? Like, I think that's an interesting conversation. Um, the bears definitely need to draft wide receiver. They need to add a center either through free agency or in the draft. I think you might want to go free agency. If, if it looks like there's going to be some guys that are potentially available in that route. Um, it's not just about the players though. Um, for an offensive coordinator, particularly, you know, an offensive coordinator that's going to call plays, you know, there's a lot that goes into, you know, your game plan. There's a lot that goes into play sequencing. There's that scripted plays, which it seems like Chicago does a pretty good job of and to, to start the game. Uh, and then there's like, what are you doing in the important moments? What do you have in that play sheet that you've held back mm -hmm. for those, for those, you know, decisions or, or are you learning? Are you thinking about like, Hey, am I taking advantage of that corner that just got hurt? And this guy just came in off the bench. Am I going to go after that guy or, or, Hey, is it a good idea to run a third and one shotgun run with my quarterback up the middle? Is that a good idea? Right? Like there is enough evidence just from the last game. Honestly, if you go back and watch it, that would make you think that Luke Getzey isn't that good of a play caller and understanding some of the fundamentals that make really good offensive coordinators, offensive head coaches that are, that are calling plays. There's a lot of guys that, and I'll, and I'll let you weigh in on this and then we can go back to the defense, but there, sure. you know, there's a lot of guys that are really good at this, like the, the Mike Shanahan's, the Sean McVay's right. Where, where they will just put guys under a microscope. They have seen something on film where, you know, a middle linebacker has shown that he can't cover this tight, this type of tight end. And they will just, they will just break the defense until the defense mm -hmm. changes what they do. And then once they do it, they've got a counter off of that. 
and then they're going to make them look silly off of that, right? That you can you can watch. I mean, Shanahan's the best at this, but there there are a lot of guys that are really good at it. Where you can watch, the, you can watch the play caller break the defensive coordinator over over the course of a game because mm-hmm. they they know what their weakness is, and then once they adjust, they counter off of that and take advantage of the of of what the defense the defensive coordinator did. I don't see evidence of Luke Getzey doing that. I have not seen that in the year and a half that he's or the year and three quarters that he's been calling plays here. So um, to me, that question's already answered and just giving him more good players might just give a little bit more deodorant, a little bit more perfume, but I don't know that it's going to make him a better play caller. Yes. There's a <laughs> lot of layers to that. Uh, you know, a good example is what just happened in Buffalo. Like they have largely the same players. They moved on from their offensive coordinator. They went to Joe Brady. They're getting better results with the same players running, you know, theoretically 80, 85% of the same offense. They didn't change their offense. Uh, it's just about sequencing and it's about which lever you pull in which situation. And Brady seems to have a better pulse on that than Dorsey did. And so they're getting better results. Getsy, it's the waters are a little bit muddy because of the quarterback situation and everything else, because sometimes he calls stuff <laughs> that might be the right thing, but that play doesn't get executed. You'll see Justin drop back and look and look and look. And now we're three, three and a half seconds into the play. And Justin might run around and make a play and often does, which is one of his great strengths. But you don't really know what what it was supposed to be. You can sort of see based on routes and patterns, like what the idea was. And sometimes that's quote unquote, right. <laughs> you know, if it was executed, but it, so that picture gets muddy, but I'm with you that gets, he doesn't feel like he has that. And you're right. It comes largely the Shanahan tree is the best at it. Last week, Sean McVay did it to the Ravens actually in the opening drive, like the opening, go back and watch the opening drive of the Rams versus Ravens. Rams were heavy underdogs in that game. And, McVeigh broke Mike McDonald, who is one of the best defensive coordinators in the entire league. He broke him. He made him switch coverages, which is what Shanahan does classically all the time. Shanahan is like, I'm going to make you play cover three because I got all this stuff over here for cover three. And as soon as you do, like, I'm going to get you out of too high. I'm going to force you out of too high. When you do, I'm going to bust cover three. So just come on, play cover three. I'm going to do this until you play cover three. Then they play cover three and he breaks it. And McVeigh did the exact same thing to McDonald. He came out, I think they had eight or nine straight runs against the Ravens, and they were multiple runs out of the same look, which is very much a McVeigh thing. Um, knowing he basically knew, you said they put players under the microscope. He'd put the scheme under the microscope in the DC, and he knew what the safety rotations were. And he said, if I do this, you're going to rotate safety here. So I'm going to make you rotate safety here, and then I'm going to get you. I'm going to, I'm going to pull a guy from inside. I'm going to pull, you know, a guy off the end and drop him through the middle of the line. We're going to run power with a tackle, like all kinds of fun stuff. And I'm just going to pick off the safety over and over again until you can't do that again. Right. And you could see that like, Oh crap, he has McDonald's number. Like he knew what McDonald was going to do. And then he did, he just broke it. Eventually over the course of that game, they ran out of the Jimmy's and Joe's like their roster is not as good as the Ravens. So, you know, I mean, but, but it's a really good point. Right. Because the the Ravens are a really well coached team and they are a good football team. They've got good players up and down the roster. The Rams are a really well coached football team. They do not have the players up and down the roster. They this is a reset year for them and they are competing. Right. So that goes to show you 
that to sort of get back to that Jimmy's and Joe's and X's and O's. If you're, if you're seeing teams like the Rams steal some victories and that it, that's because of the, they have superior Absolutely. coaching against yeah. most of the league. Right. And, and there's teams, there's games where the Rams are just outmatched, you know, like they, they just, they don't have it. Right. That happens too. But for the most part, I think it's a, it's a really fascinating year by McVay. I mean, I haven't watched all the games, but I've watched enough of them to be like, you're doing that with this. Yeah. He's, he's doing an amazing job. We covered that on blue leg this, this week that he's doing an amazing job with his young Rams. Like he's got Stafford and cup and Aaron Donald and like, that's it for high profile veteran guys. And it's a ton of young guys, offense and defense, and yep. they are getting it done. They're in games. They're competing. Again, this was supposed to be a rebuild reset year for them with a ton of young talent, lots of UDFAs, a whole bit. They don't care. Like they're, they believe and they are developing and they're going to be really dangerous next year. Like it's, they're going to be very ready from all these reps that they've gotten and, and all these, you know, wins that they've stolen. So I don't feel like Getsy's that kind of coach because again, we saw these long periods of like, what are you doing? And it was the same thing from the Eberflus defense in the first month. There's the assertion that we all knew that Eberflus could coach defense. He sure didn't look like it in the first month. Like Alan Williams left pretty quickly and he took over and it didn't change, right? It didn't change until he hired Phil Snow. Phil Snow came in and things started to change almost immediately. So does that mean that Eberflus can coach defense? Like, I think Eberflus's defense is much more reliant on Jimmy's and Joe's. Like when Eberflus yeah. had guys yeah. in Indianapolis, he kicked ass when he had right. a dominant defensive line. And like, yeah, his defense was great. You know, get to Chicago. He does not have, especially that town along the defensive line. And his defense did not look great and he didn't adjust. And he was joking today with, with Brad Biggs about blitzing all the time because Yannick Ngakwe is out now, you know, which is really funny given how the first month of the season went. But I'm not so sure that, that Iberflus is the guy because, again, kind of staggering statistics that the last two wins are his first back to back wins as a Bears coach. Right. In two years. And they also happen to be against divisional opponents. So they are his first two divisional opponent wins. Right. Yep. So we're <laughs> we're deep in year two here. And I understand the talent gap very well from last year and everything else. But the fact that he hasn't rolled off any two games together in two years, it, you know, begs the question is, again, do you want a guy like that? And my easiest stack or litmus test for this is, do you want to take a guy like Eberflus and stack him up against McVay? Right. No, you don't. You're going to get out coached. Do you want to stack him up against John Harbaugh and Mike McDonald in Baltimore? You don't. Do you want to stack him up against Andy Reid in Kansas City, passing game or no? Mm, I, I don't like that matchup. Shanahan in, you know, you're going to have to go through the Niners if you want to win the NFC. Like, hell no. Like he's, he's going to get the wheels coached off him. So if that's the case with multiple coaching staffs around the league, what's the point of adding a few pieces to make it a little bit better if you know he's going to get his doors blown off by the guy calling the plays on the other side? So offense or defense. And I don't feel like absolutely certain about either side of this bear staff. Like, oh, just get him a few more pieces. Yeah, they would be better 100% if there was – you know, stability at center and another wide receiver that could, you know, crack open and get open against coverage. Sure. Great. They would be better. Would they, again, would they beat, you know, Shanahan, McVay, Harbaugh? I don't know. I mean, you're still talking about a conservative defensive coach. They're still going to do those conservative defensive coach things like let, uh, you know, a lead <laughs> evaporate against the lines a few weeks ago. 
you're right. The, the collapse against Denver, th- those things happen because of basic philosophy and not going for the kill shot. Now you've seen him do a little bit more of that when he's had the opportunity. Um, so there maybe is a little bit growth there. Maybe he's you know, like you said, he brought Phil snow in and he said, help me <laughs> do it. <Right? laughs> do the I'll, thing I'll do what you tell me to do. Right. And, and you see more creativity and more of that. And so, you know, I, I guess if I'm going to be, you know, uh, generous that like, Hey, he's learning on the job. He's, he's willing to take input and all that kind of stuff. And, mm-hmm. but I don't really want the most improved coach award. I want <laughs> the best coach award. You know what I mean? Like I oh, do. Most I do. That's cute. Right. Yeah. Neat. And, and I, and, and it's just a Twitter poll, you know, so I, I'm not putting all the stock in the world in it, but this was before the lions win. I'm sure it'd be a little different, but it was also before the Packers beat the the, the Chiefs. So I, I put out a poll. I said, who, who would you rather have the oh, yeah. uh, coaching the Bears? Like you can trade the entire staff. Would you rather have Eberflus and his staff or Dan Campbell and the Lions staff? Would you rather have uh, Kevin O'Connell? But again, this was after the Bears beat the Vikings. Would you rather have Matt LaFleur and his staff? And the lowest percent, this is, I, I, I have 3,000 something followers on Twitter. Sure. Uh, vast majority are Bears fans. Like, I mean, let's, let's, you know, it's not like I have a ton of Packer fans or anything like that following me. And uh, the lowest percentage was Matt LaFleur beat Matt Aberflus and Matt LaFleur, which is the wrong answer. Like he should be higher. <laughs> like, but, okay. but, but like Matt LaFleur had 86% uh, of Bear, of, of mostly Bear fans saying like, yeah, I'd rather have Matt LaFleur. Yeah. And, and the, the answer is 100. percent He's a really good football coach. Like yeah. you, you know, he he's much better than than Matt Lafleur. 98 um, percent was Dan Campbell, which I think people have bought. Bears fans have kind of bought into that like CEO Dan Campbell approach that he he's been successful with in Detroit. And and I believe the Kevin O'Connell was somewhere in the middle, like 92 percent or something like that. These are Bears fans that yeah. are that are all unanimously saying like you know what yeah i'd rather have those coaches and that's staff. just your division that's just the division do you want to keep the guy that's clearly fourth best coach in your division uh, you're not going to go anywhere if you do because again you're going to get out coached and you know ryan poles can do i don't think ryan poles would want that either because ryan poles can do everything in his power to build the roster and and this came up last week and i, I was like all right Who's the best player on the Bears offense? Like me? without Are you asking me? Yeah. Who's the DJ best Moore. player on DJ Moore? Like not even yeah, it's not even a thinker. Who's the best player on defense? But well, right now it's Montez Sweat. Montez Sweat. Like but, you but could say Jalen really good football. Player. You could yeah, top rated cornerback in the league right now for the season. Like very, very good player, but I would still say Montez Sweat is a better player right now. And you could give me either one of those two answers. But if you say DJ Moore and Montez Sweat, which I think are the the factual answers looking at this team right now, how'd they get to the Bears? Ryan Poles, man. Ryan Poles. Ryan Poles brought your best player on offense and your best player on defense. So he is going to continue to stack talent. You can talk about some free agency misses. Sure, I'm right there with you. I, you know, you could talk about some draft choices that would have been made differently, but a lot of his young draft choices are looking pretty good and playing significant amounts of time this year so as a draft class is it below average in no way is it above average i would say slightly yeah actually percentage wise in terms of contribution from the draft class so far now 
we talk about the offensive line. We talk about a lot of things, but like brought your best player on offense, brought your best player on defense. He wants a coach that's going to maximize that. He doesn't want the fourth best coach in the division because he's got to win his division. He knows it. You're not going anywhere in the NFL if you don't win your division. Wild cards are fun, but you're always on the road and the odds are stacked against you. you got to win your own division. And if you're fourth best out of the gate, from the coaching standpoint, all the work you do all year round, free agency draft, everything else, UDFAs, it's all going to go to waste because your roster is going to be better, but it's not going to be maximized. Uh, Chris has a comment in the comment section. She says, love watching the QB school videos, but <laughs> GTO seven does a really nice job. I know some of them yeah. behind paid walls, but you know, he puts plenty of them out um, for free. Uh, but he says, loves watching the videos about Justin because he clearly loathes Luke Ketsy and, <laughs> And I think there's reasons for that. Like I, I can't yeah. see the game quite as as clearly as as no. JTO's. Like a former NFL quarterback going to see things that that we can't. Yeah. Um, it, and that's why it's nice to learn from someone like that. But th- there's, a, I mean, you can pick it up. Like if you, if you watch enough football, like you can pick up. Like why is he doing that? Why did he just like some of these things just don't make sense? And and it's nothing to do with the players. It's a coach just you know, making a, a, a kind of a boneheaded decision. And he does enough of those in game where you don't see him from some of the better play callers in the league that I just don't have confidence that this guy's the dude. And, and if you really kind of take that step back and again, kind of go back to this, we're going to flip back to offense here. You know, can, can Getsy be the guy? I, I don't think he is, but if you're going to keep Everflus, he's going to have to go back into the, the well and pull an offensive mind to replace him. Mm-hmm. Do you have confidence that he can do that? Did, didn't we do that already with Lovey yeah. Smith? It's just not really how the league is run right now, where the best offensive minds get head coaching jobs and then they stay there. And so if you, you know, I, I understand we tried the Matt Nagy thing and it didn't really work out. I get that. But I think you have to keep going back to the well to try to find one of these guys because the, the successful coaches really are the ones that, know how to do this yeah and saying look we tried it once and it didn't work so we'll do the other thing is like saying well we drafted that one quarterback and he bombed out it happens they're doing that yeah and it happens all the time like the the hit rate even high up in the first round and this is very relevant because of the bears picks this year on quarterback is about 50 percent, even in the top half of the first round it's not greater than that so it's one out of two and you can look at just about any draft and go through, yeah, there's select drafts where maybe two out of three hit instead of one out of two. But generally, it's 50-something percent, 55, 58, depending on your metric and how you measure success. There's no guarantee that a, that a quarterback picked up high is, is going to do what you want them to do. They might. And if you do that and they bomb out, you don't quit. You don't stop. You might have to take a couple of years off because you might not have another high draft pick. You might, you you know, you might have sold some capital to get up there and get them. That's where the Panthers are. But like, you don't just stop and go, well, we've got a quarterback that sucks and we tried, so we're not going to try again. It's the same thing with a coach or an offensive coordinator. Like you keep going until you find it because you need, that is the most important relationship in football is you've right. got to have either a head coach or I'll just say play caller because sometimes it's the head coach. Sometimes it's the offensive coordinator, but play caller, somebody that is responsible for calling the offensive plays and a quarterback that get each other. And when you have that, you're going to win a lot more football games than if you don't. And you see it in situations like the giants right now, like Brian Dable didn't forget how to coach football, but he and Daniel Jones were not 
clicking. They clicked a lot last year. They won more games than they should have, but they just kind of, I don't want to say dumbed it down. They just ran it down. They just ran it down people's throats with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. That was the that was the plan last year. This year, it was to open it up and get back to a more fully featured offense that Dable definitely wants to coach. And they were not having success through the early stretch before Daniel Jones got hurt. They get Tommy freaking DeVito, Tommy freaking Cutlets from Syracuse, right? And I saw Tommy play live a couple of times and like, He's pulling a Brock Purdy right now, but he's getting it. He is doing what Dable wants done in his offense. He is efficient. He's not making a ton of mistakes. The Giants have rolled off three straight, improbably. But again, that relationship is obviously much cleaner in terms of how it works, and they're winning more football games. And you see it time and time again. When that relationship between play caller and quarterback doesn't work, the team's not successful. you got to get it. And if you don't have it, you just keep going back on both sides until you do. Because it has to click or else. Keep flipping that coin. And and I got to say, the Tommy DeVito, it, it, it is a gift to 100%. us in the football <laughs> world. Because we get to bring out Sopranos memes oh, and, yeah. and gifts. And, and it's just wonderful. Sopranos is such a good show. And that's sure. going to transition us into our final question, which is about movies. So this oh, is there from... Our guy, uh, Juan, who says he's at Juan Gun eleven oh five. He says, "What what are your top two movies? Where even if you catch it halfway through, you sit down and watch the rest of it." So this is basically the concept of the rewatchables, which is yeah. one of the best podcasts out there. I absolutely love it. Uh, they talk about movies like the, the concept is: you're flipping the channels, you see a movie. I don't care where you catch it. You're like, oh, I'm in. Like I'm in, I'm in for the rest of the movie because this scene's coming up. That scene's coming up and I don't have cable. I haven't had cable in a long time. I cut the cord like super long time ago. Um, I cut the cord cause I couldn't afford it. So like that was <laughs> like the time of my life where I was like, I'm not getting cable. I can't afford this. Um, it wasn't like this uh, cool hipster thing. It was like, I can't afford <laughs> yeah. um, but like, I never got it back because, you know, just like things started streaming yeah, and, and that, that was yeah. how I did things. So for me, this question is I'm traveling for work. Oh yeah. I come back to the hotel. I'm flipped there. You know, it's not football season, you know, NFL networks may be playing some weird BS thing. Cause I'm always going to go to NFL network first. Cause I'm hoping they're, I'm hoping they're, they're playing some NFL film stuff. Right. And if it's NFL films, I'm in for the rest of the, the night. Like, Oh yeah. You want to go out? And I, nah, I'm good. Like I, yeah, they're playing. I'm happy. The, they're playing the 1998 yearbook for the uh, Cardinals. I'm, I'm I'm in for the rest of the night. Like it doesn't matter who the, who the memory lane. It's all good. Film stuff I'm in. Right. Yeah. Let's say that's not an option. Mm-hmm. So then you're flipping through and you're, you, you know, you got HBO, you're, you know, you got show, t- whatever, whatever the, the free channels are that are playing movies. What are these movies that are on where you're like, I'm locked in? No question. I'm locked in for the rest of the movie. You got me? I did. I don't uh, have too many to answer. Yeah, but, I have. You know. I have a lot. I love movies. You know this about me. I own a lot of movies. Uh, lots and lots on DVD. Not too many on VHS. And and you know moved into Blu-ray when Blu-ray started to get more uh, more affordable. But there are definitely those movies that I want, even in the streaming era, right? I you know now have YouTube TV so that I can watch games on Sunday, and you know you can click on any movie, and it's like, oh, do you have this streaming service? And you're like, well, I don't, but I want to watch it. So those movies, like that's the first level, is movies that I purchased to have mm-hmm. to be on the okay. shelf to just be like, nope, I've got it. 
right? And they're holiday ones. We were talking before the podcast about a Christmas story. Like I have a Christmas story because once a year, I'm going to want to put that on, show it to the kids, whatever. We're going to laugh about it. And, you know, I don't want to have to find out what streaming service it's on or rent it or whatever. I like, I just want to like throw it on and, and we'll have it. Um, movie. I love your hotel one because that is me too. Before getting YouTube TV, uh, like in August, I, I didn't have like we had, I guess we had Disney plus and we got Hulu as part of the bundle, but that was it. We didn't have, we don't have all the other streaming servers that are trying to recreate cable. So love it. You, you know, flop down on the bed, come back after your day or whatever you're doing, you flip it on and you're like, one of those for me is certainly heat. Oh yeah. Okay. Like, which is also the whole perp. Like that is the origin story of the podcast rewatchables. In true, it's is very true. And, and with good reason, um, right. you know, one of my favorite things about heat, besides the fact that it's a cool story is, um, there are a ton of cameos from, uh, actors that went on to do a lot of other things, uh, in lesser roles in heat that you forget about because, you know, the headliners are incredibly bright in that movie. Um, but, like heat is one uh and as a sort of sidebar that's like i don't want to call it heat light because that kind of lessens it for me it's a different film but um ronan john frankenheimer film with you know uh, another great cast and that like if ronan's on like and and i get both car chases i'm 100 percent in like i'm like nope all good. We're we're watching this. You gotta look the heat like Val Kilmer, one of the biggest movie stars in the world. When that movie comes out, third lead. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, not, and, like that's the know. beauty of that movie. Like oh he's oh, yeah. he's third lead. Yeah. Uh, okay, so those are your two. Uh, you know those Maybe are two like I'll throw movie. out. There are like I said, ten or twelve more that I'm I'm a hundred percent locked in. Okay, so so I, I've got a few. Uh, I'm gonna just I'm gonna rattle off a couple that maybe would have been my answers in the past. Okay. So like gladiator, like to me, like I was sure. just like, kind of, it came out at like the perfect time for me. It was like mm-hmm. a big movie for, for me where I'm at. And then Shawshank was kind of one of these like rewatchable, like that's how it got so popular was it wasn't a, wasn't a critical success when it, or maybe it was critical success, but it wasn't a commercial success when it came out in theaters and then it got to cable. And like, you just like, you're like, Oh yeah. Oh, Shawshank's on. I'm going to, Oh, I, I got, I'm in, I'm in on here. Well, Oh, oh, he's, Oh, what's he doing here? Like, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm I'm in on this. And you know, anytime you get Morgan Freeman doing anything like, you know, I'm pretty much in, but those may have been answers in the past. Right. But so I wrote those down. Two of my favorite movies of all time, but comedy, I wanted to just say like a comedy comedies have a tendency in, in, in my mind to be really, really good out of the gate and then Mm. sort of like lose steam. And so it's kind of the, Right. Well, they, they definitely don't age well. That's just the whole thing about comedies. Right. But I, I started thinking, like, is there a comedy that's a rewatchable? Because it's actually sort of the the inverse. Right. Like you want to catch the first part of a comedy, but the, mm-hmm. the end of comedies aren't always that great. And I think Dumb and Dumber might be the <laughs> ultimate rewatchable you know, answer for this, because it doesn't lose steam and it ends on the perfect joke. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into it, but like that, yeah. like, do you realize what you've done? Like yeah. that is, it is the perfect joke to end a movie. And like, so, so to me, like if, if I, if I see Dumb and Dumber, I'm in the rest of the movie. Like I, yeah. I, I don't care where I'm at. Like it's, yeah, that's a, that's a good solid movie. But my, my two drama movie answers. Okay. Uh, 
one from you know my youth and one that was that came out you know after goodwill hunting sure i love that movie any scene with robin williams like i'm in like you know like i I just think it's one of the best acted movies i love the story i love the crazy boston accents and i just it's just a feel-good movie for me like it's just again one of those like movies that i've i've probably seen that movie 50 75 times like i have no idea what the actual number is seen it a ton love it but I, I still get value out of it. I still love the dialogue. The other movie is uh, Inglorious Bastards. I think it's my favorite. <laughs> I think it's my favorite movie of uh, of this century. I I, I, wow. I just I love it. It's got these like the fine scenes, right? It's it's oh. it's uh, and I don't care which one I'm in. I want to watch it. I love the first scene. I think it's incredible. Um, so I would I would feel sad if I didn't catch it that early, but, um, but I will watch whatever. Cause I just think it's incredible from start to finish. That would be a whole nother category of movies. If you come in in the middle, you're like, damn it. Like, dang it. I'm going to go. I let me go grab the, the Blu-ray. I want to yeah. see the first part of this, uh, right. you know? Yeah. But no, there's, there's a lot of great movies. There's a lot of great, um, historical movies. I like a lot of sci-fi movies. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of them, like you said, it's almost like the NFL films thing where it doesn't matter what they're playing. Like if it hooks hooks into that sort of nostalgia vibe about where you were when you saw that movie in your life or, you know, you know why it was important to you. Like you're right. just like, let's go. Like, let's do it. A couple answers from the the comments before we get out oh, of here. Let's great go. answer. Great acting. Uh, great. You know, and again, great opening watch. scene. Like, hurts don't it <laughs> credible opening honestly yeah. start to finish it's it's yep. fantastic great characters love it uh number one bears fans i knew she was going to answer this okay I well, knew she was going to say remember the titans okay. and i and she's a big top gun fan i don't think it's just for the volleyball scene i could be wrong but she yeah, you know, yeah, like no. top gun played a lot growing up um but sure. i think she's watched remember the titans you know at least 100 times like she she has that movie memory yeah. um Drinks uh, before we get out of here. Uh, how, uh, yeah. I'm not going to ask you how your your no. I mean it's whatever, right? <laughs> it, it does what it needs to, right? Wakes me up and and gets me through for you know another three hours worth of work. So this is this is fun. Um, I I think that it this is, is actually like a, a pretty fun cocktail. The the Allspice Dram liqueur is a very random bottle to to purchase, but yeah. uh, it is useful if you ever want to make tiki drinks. Um, I'm just happy that i found a whiskey drink uh, i just happened to watch a video uh there's a guy named anders erickson yes. does videos okay he's from chicago is he got a bear as a his his uh, logo yeah. i wonder if we could maybe try to get him on a podcast and maybe we I can get him to do a know somebody that knows him so i'll check Let's try it. I think it'd be fun. Let's see if we can make a cocktail, like a Bears themed cocktail. If we'll, if we'll put up with our video production, because one thing about him is his video production is like. Well, he's amazing. Incredible. He's just like, hey, man, do you want to come on a live stream? And, and yeah, like, hey, know, man, like, can you can you love it for like an hour? We'd, we'd love it. Um, yeah, but speaking of uh, food and drink, uh, Sean Evans. Hot ones. Say it again. Sean Evans. Okay. The hot ones. Yeah, Bears fan. he's on the Bears. Side he's a Bears fan. Yeah, he was on the Bears sideline last week wearing all Bears gear. And he was with Lawrence Friedman. And he's like the the road to, you know, the rest of the wins of the I was like, 
come on. And like, I know I can get a hold of him because not because I know him, like I'm not nearly that cool. Um, but he did a thing with the chargers, uh, in the off season and I knew a guy on the chargers media team. And he told us like a month before that happened, he goes, no, like Justin's going to do it. Like Justin Herbert. And you know, they did a pair of chargers and Sean Evans, and they basically did a, a pared down version of hot ones with like two or three rotations of two players each. So, um, I at least know how I could get a message to his, uh, you know, representation, but I'm not sure I want to do the whole how thing. So we have to be careful that we have to have him on our show, not us going on his yeah, show. No, I, I don't know that we want to go like state <laughs> us being on hot ones. Uh, I, I, I mean, he's amazing though. I, I just, just a quick shout out to Sean Evans in general, one of the most prepared interviewers I know of, like he is lockdown like just go search youtube for sean evans like flummoxing guests like and like they're it's a 10 minute video and they're 20 second clips of people going how did you know that like really that's a deep question like he's yeah. very very good i will say on this show we we drink and sometimes that can make interviewing people have a degree of difficulty that's a little higher than than sure. not drinking um, but he's eating like intensely hot, hot wings and sweating profusely. And so, yes, it is, it is a very interesting degree of difficulty. I think I could probably do okay in that. I don't know that I could survive the whole thing, but I think I could do okay. Um, just shout out to my grandma who's no longer with us. She would have polished them all off without any problem. She had the best, uh, ability to eat hot stuff I've ever seen in my life. She would have been fine. That's crazy. So, That's like, uh, Holly Berry, when Holly Berry was on Hot One, she cleaned every wing, no water, nothing. She's like, whatever. Like, she was like, bam, all the way through. And I swear, that's just power it's will. Probably like, the first time that my grandma and Holly Berry have been mentioned. In the I was going to, I was thinking about that, but like but, because of the superpower, because they obviously share it. I love it. All right, we'll get out of here with that. Thanks everybody for joining us. We appreciate it so much. We'll be back next week to hopefully talk about another Bears victory. Until then, bear down. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.